Welcome to Three Yards Per Carry, a podcast covering the Miami Dolphins and the NFL. Now, here's your hosts, Chris, Alf and Simon. And we're on it. Welcome to another edition of Three Yards Per Carry, a trade edition, trade deadline edition of Three Yards Per Carry. Dolphins is this is this Victory Tuesday, Alf? Yeah, this is Victory Tuesday. This is Victory Tuesday, which reminds me, I have to do another giveaway on OnlyFans. Like these things are costing me money. The Dolphins start racking up wins, like you know, I'm gonna be like uh, like hundreds of dollars in the hole giving away things. Uh, and yes, I give away things on OnlyFans. Okay, for real, like you you give away some pretty valuable things, like uh, these these. These patrons better be, uh, yeah, you know, grateful. Although lately, because the Dolphins are winning so much, and that's the rule, by the way. We have a victory Monday. We have a victory Tuesday, which this week is going to be a victory Tuesday. But well, no, I mean they were separate. We still had a victory Monday. We just didn't yeah. also do a podcast, podcast. On right? Because because we were busy busy taking our kids out for candy. <laughs> yeah, exactly, and. Uh, well, I was walking around a block with a, a beer in hand and my dog. My dog was dre- dressed as Chucky, by the way. Nice. Yeah. You know, and I went out with my nephew. My nephew was dressed as an astronaut. He was the cutest little 17-month-old astronaut you'll ever see. Uh-huh. But, uh, yeah, uh, I guess the Dolphins did something today. And we'll talk about it. But, as always, we are brought to you by Manscaped. Use promo code 5RSN. Get 20% off your entire order. 5RSN. Also, free shipping and of course better edge go to betteredge.com slash the number five reasons and you got a 25 dollars sign up bonus just for signing up and of course prize picks i play prize picks all the time i played it last night by the way i had joe burrow over 285 yards passing uh i was an idiot uh but if you but if you're not an idiot you could have taken the under and and just you know use the promo code five f-i-v-e and it's a hundred dollars sign up bonus, which means you deposit a hundred dollars, they give you a hundred dollars, you roll it over once, which means you bet it through one time and you get a hundred dollars. I don't, I, I don't bad. know, that's not too bad. I don't know how Rolling you can, over one time, yeah. I don't know like how you can have a better, there's no way you can have a better promo than that. Of yeah. course, use a promo five F I V E. All right. Dolphins did some work. Well, that's why it's Victory Tuesday, Alf, because we had a Victory Monday for the game. (laughs) Yes. And then we had a a Victory Tuesday for the trade deadline. Yes. And and I've seen it all. I've seen it all. I don't know, man. Uh, I'm just going to start ignoring some of those people, but some people were like, I don't know about this trade, you know? Uh, You know, like, is Bradley Chubb really all that good? Yeah, he is. He's... He's really, really, really good. And I guess we're just going to start right there. First of all, what they gave up, who gives a crap? I I, I said this on Twitter, and I don't know if you disagree with my philosophy. Um, When your team is good and you have a pick that's past 25th, and I'm sorry, you saw the 49ers, they were overwhelming in that game against the Rams. They're going to win a pile of games. They're going to be picking in the late 20s, maybe even early 30s, because they got to reserve the last two draft picks. Well, right right now their pick is is number twenty in the uh, in the in the draft order according to Tankathon. Um, That's them sitting at okay. First off, we skip we skip it. Uh, 
for those of you who have been un- under a rock, today the Miami Dolphins traded for Denver Broncos defensive end outside linebacker Bradley Chubb, uh, one of the one of the most efficient pass rushers in the NFL uh, and has been for years. Um, and they traded they traded uh, their San Francisco first round pick plus Chase Edmonds for Chubb. That's so that's let's get that out there. And then yeah. and then we'll you know okay, so the, yeah. the 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 San Francisco pick is currently number twenty in the in the in the draft, and we think probably heading downward, right? Yes, it's going to be awful. It's going to be. I'll handicap it right now. They're winning eleven games minimum, and they're picking twenty seventh. Who gives a crap about picking twenty seventh? I don't. Not when this team is ready made. I would always trade it for a ready made player or for more picks. It's essentially it's essentially in the Noah Igbenogany area of the draft. Yep, absolutely. Um, you know, give me top fifteen, top twenty picks, or, or give me you know a lot of picks, so that way I can miss a lot, but I could hit some. You know what I mean? Or I do with what the Rams do: fuck them picks and get impact players for late first round picks. So yeah, I love this trade, and I'll tell you why I love this trade, and then you could go on on why you like this trade. I love this trade because I think it's going to unlock Jalen Phillips. Jalen Phillips, they've been trying to use him in that buck, that buck linebacker spot, trying to rush wide in a lot of these sets, and he's just getting there. And you can see, like, you see his pressure rate. Oh, he keeps going mm-hmm. up, and he keeps piling up pressures and hurries, but he's not getting sacks. Well, why isn't he getting sacks? It's simple physics, people. He's too far away from the, the quarterback, and he's really good rushing as a three-tech and as a five-tech. They could have him do that now as Bradley Chubb rushes off of the edge as the buck linebacker. I love this trade. It's going to unlock Jalen Phillips. You have two edge players now, 26 and 23 years old. Great work by Chris Greer. And you didn't give up that much. So I love the trade. Well, I think that I think the thing to note is that, um, you know, as we're talking about how low the San Francisco pick is going um, from here, a couple of weeks back, you know, we t- we talked about it. The San Francisco 49ers traded for Christian McCaffrey, mm-hmm. which was, you know, a good fit for them. A, a, a guy that has proven that he plays in their system, um, that he, he, he's done that. He's played in that system before. Um, and he's a pro, you know, a proven playmaker. Uh, the guy, you know, he's he's been sort of an all world type uh, at, at times at running back. And that's a system that can really just go very far with, with exactly that kind of player. Um, So, you know, it was just such a good overall fit and the cascade effect from that is okay. Crap. You know, there was a point where it looked like we were getting the number 12 overall pick from the San Francisco 49ers or, you know, it was, it was ranked on tankathon or something. And it was like, well, that ain't going to happen. You know, that that is not going to happen anymore now. And the other thing that happened, the other thing that set off a domino effect is is Trey Lance got hurt right away beginning mm-hmm. of the year. And now Jimmy, Gar- for well, even before that, they they brought Jimmy Garoppolo back. They, you know, settled a deal with him to be the backup. And then Trey Lance gets hurt. And now Jimmy Garoppolo is there. And Jimmy Garoppolo is a big time winner in San Francisco. Um he doesn't stay healthy, but he, you know, he is a big time winner in San Francisco. So that that improved their outlook tremendously. 
Um, and then they traded for Christian McCaffrey, which improved their outlook even more. They're looking good. Um, and, you know, as you say, this is going to be a late, late first round pick. This is definitely in the, you know, um, we picked Noah Igbenogany at number 30 overall, you know, yeah. and, just, and, and if you go back, you know, Isaiah Wilson was the pick before him at number 29 and, you know, looking at some other, other, you know, other, other draft picks taken around that area of the draft. It's really, it's really very hit or miss mostly, uh, you know, even mostly miss. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so that that set off that set off a whole a whole domino effect because not only is is this pick looking like a really bad one for us uh, in the first round, um, but it's also Christian McCaffrey displaces Jeff Wilson. Mm-hmm. Uh, he displaces well, he just displaces all of the running backs in San Francisco, but among them, uh, Elijah Mitchell, uh, who's now getting healthy. And um, and Jeff Wilson, you know, and they they're still I think they're, they're still trying uh, to get things out of Trey Sermon. Uh, and so so it really just shook loose both things, both things that happened today, which were um, the trade for Bradley Chubb and then the trade for running back Jeff Wilson, and the 49ers. Both of those things probably had their um, their genesis in the Christian McCaffrey trade, if you really think about it. And so, um, so I think that, you know, what this signifies to me is a changing of philosophy in a number of ways, because you can look at this defensively and you say, this is changing, we're, we're, we're changing tap here on defense, because the defense had been about the high paid premier corners that the Dolphins were, were getting mileage out of with Xavier Howard and Byron Jones. Well, guess what? Byron Jones hasn't played at all this year, mm-hmm. and frankly, I don't think he's going to. Um, and I don't, I, you know, I, I'm not trying to break news or anything like that. I just think that they're probably t- toward the end of their rope with him. Um, yeah, I, we, I, I spoke about it on the last podcast. I know it's arbitrary, but drop dead date is one week away. <laughs> okay, yeah. and, and I really do believe that coaches in a week from today, the coaches will just say, "Okay, that's it." Uh, we're not going to hold out any more hope. And I mean, it's meanwhile, Xavier Howard up and down this year a little mm-hmm. bit, mm-hmm. not healthy, uh, getting old. He's getting toward 30 years old. The corners, corners, uh, uh, it's not well advertised. I mentioned it before on another pod. It's not well advertised because we talk about runner, running backs all the time with that um, that drop, you know, that date. Um, and But it, it is no less true about corners. He is reaching there. So, they, they were getting a lot of mileage out of the high-paid premier corners uh, and using that blitz scheme and, you know, relying on them so that they could blitz um, so aggressively. Well, now that's not working anymore. That's You're, you're, you're getting the sputter <laughs> out of that approach. Um, and so this is a change tack to now going with a dominating defensive front that can get pressure on their own. And then, you know, if Josh Boyer sticks around as the defensive coordinator for the Dolphins, which right now I think you have to say he still he, he will. Um, the jury's, com- you know, it's still out, but uh, but I think right now he'll probably uh, he'll probably be back. Um, he has a knack for pulling in defensive backs you've never even heard of, right? Yeah. 
uh, that come from <laughs> yeah nowhere. i admitted i had no idea what the hell texas a&m i know what texas a&m is texas a&m commerce i hadn't even I, heard of his school let alone cater coho <laughs> yeah when i heard it, he's from texas a&m and i i heard it in camp and i'm like no nah, he's that kid and i got sold I, I i said it on the pod and i said it on OnlyFans. i got sold cater coho hard at camp i was told this guy's gonna be something and, and i'm talking about day one of camp where i just mm-hmm. saw number 38 running around out there and i said like oh it's kind of short, but you know, kind of strong looking. I guess he's a slot guy, and I'm like, no, 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 no. Uh, I was told that this guy's gonna stick around. He's a really good player. He's from Texas A&M Commerce, and I'm like, from Texas A&M? How come I never saw him play? No, no, Texas A&M Commerce. What the hell yeah. is that? <laughs> well, I mean, and, but if you go back in Josh Boyer's history, there's not just that. He pulled Nick Needham out of nowhere, right? Uh-huh. Um, if you look even at this year, you're, you're talking about the the contributions they've gotten out of Keon Crossan. You know that was not that was not a um, uh, a marquee acquisition by any means. Uh, Justin Bethel came in. He had, we we were joking about it on the podcast. He was 32 years old and he had played what 59 coverage snaps or something like that before in in his career up to 32 years old. And then he had 60 of them in the game. Mm-hmm. You know, and they got they got good contribution out of him. Uh, and you go back and, you know, there's, there's infamous, um, what was it? Uh, Malcolm Butler, uh, was it, was that the corner or, or am I, yes. think? I always get him confused with the, uh, defensive lineman. Um, and also there was a linebacker that had a similar name, but, um, you know, you, you go back and, and this is something that Josh Boyer has actually talked about. He's fleshed out. He's like, you know, done it in, in interviews. It's not just, we're not just making this up. Right. He's, he's talked about how he does really like to, um, to find those guys, those undrafted free agents amongst the defensive backs in particular. And, uh, and he's good at it. He's good at it. So this reminds me a little bit of, uh, of like when the Dolphins originally hired um, Hudson Houck uh, as offensive line coach under Nick Saban. And Nick Saban flat out said, you know, the idea of hi- hiring Hudson Houck is that we don't necessarily need to spend all that much in our resources on the offensive line because he's a he's such a good coach he's such a well reputed coach well you have kind of a maybe a similar thing going on in the defensive backs with josh boyer's ability to kind of pull diamonds out of nowhere or maybe not diamonds but you know um you know guys that are okay that play surprisingly okay football but they're still not the premier players. They're not Xavier Howard. They're not, you know, they're not, they're not those guys. Uh, so what you do instead is you have a dominating defensive front and that protects those defensive backs that protects those, those corners who are surprisingly good, but maybe not premier players. Um, so that's a, that's a shift. That's a shift that's happening. The second shift that's happening is think about under Brian Flores with uh, Chris Greer as the GM. They were totally anti anybody even above 25 years old right like, yeah. like they were they, they were ridiculously um you know uh young oriented on um uh, under uh brian flores and when chris greer as a general manager they were all about draft picks they were all about young players um everything well here comes mike mcdaniel he comes from the shanahan uh tree and um and that approach has always been more about veterans frankly 
Um, they have kind of, you know, a little bit of uh, a little bit of an off stance with respect to the young players and the guys. Look at Eric as a comma. He had a dominating preseason, but the guy can't even be active in a game, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's, and and that's the young player thing with them. Yeah, and Wells right? Walker and Wells Walker's adamant about that, you know, and, and he kind of revealed it on one of his uh, availabilities when he said, you know, if a guy can't run twelve yards when we're asking him to run twelve yards on a dig consistently then he just won't be out there at all <laughs> you yep. know because 14 and so, is not 12 and 9 is not 12 and and that's a but that's a thing if you look at the 49ers under Kyle Shanahan they've really they have brought in veterans right they brought in veterans um they respect age you know it gets them it gets them bit because of the um because of the injury bug mm-hmm. sometimes but um but it is it is an approach it is a, a different philosophy and chris greer has adapted to it you know we always call him the ultimate survivor well you get to be the ultimate survivor because you adapt right and mm-hmm. and i think that this represents a change i mean not that not that bradley chubb is old right he's 26 yeah right but um but this does represent but the the fact that they're emptying out they lo- they already lost a first round pick because the the shenanigans with Steve Ross and the uh, tampering, right? That's one. That's one word. That's one and, word. And, yeah. And and what did what did we been told? Like what had we been told previously? We were like, well, you know, since especially after we lost that first round pick, those first round picks next year, or that first round pick next year, off limits, off limits, right? Well, mm-hmm. that was the old approach. That was the old approach. Now, it's. It, I mean, we we joke about it because it's it's the uh, you know it's the the meme with the uh, the Rams and and uh, and and go back in the basketball. It's, it's fuck them picks. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, and, yeah. and that's a change. That is a change. That is a real change that has happened. And, yeah, and, um, and, and, I think and it's remarkable. Yeah, and let me say this about about we could put a bow on this Bradley Chubb thing. Um, and I'm pretty sure we're going to talk about him even more on Thursday because uh, it looks like he's going to suit up on Sunday. He's going to play. Oh yeah, so, you know, uh, and then we'll move on to Jeff Wilson very quickly before we talk about the game this past Sunday. But let me say this last thing about about Bradley Chubb. They're obviously going to change the the system, and I and I said this earlier. I did a, a Dolphins on five with David Eversall, and I said this is about Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen. You mm-hmm. can't blitz those guys, and blitzing those guys has been has proven to be suicidal. <laughs> okay. Um, if you watch the Packers play against the against Josh Allen this past Sunday night, they had some success. Josh Allen had probably his worst game of the season against the Packers. They still won anyway because their defense is really good and they had they get timely big plays from that passing game. But you're gonna have to play softer coverages and you have to get to him with four and five, and you have to be strong on the edge. I think this kind of signals gone is manufacturing pass rushes with these zero blitz looks and sending six and seven sending nano blitzes sending slot blitzes blitzes i think all of that is gone i think i'm going to try to get there with well, four and with five I, I don't know i think i think maybe a little bit let's let's call it gone but not forgotten um yeah you know because because i think i think there's a certain identity that the they're all they'll always keep well they play they they play some slap dick quarterbacks they're gonna they're gonna send the house yeah so so (laughs) i i think that i think definitely gone but not forgotten i i I don't think it's it's gonna be gone but they've certainly you've certainly seen them step off the gas a little bit 
and mm. uh, look to try and protect the secondary because you have to at this point. You've had Xavier Howard kind of in and out and uh, and also banged up, you know, hurt with groin issues and um, and sometimes sometimes going out there and, and playing a half that you're like, that's as bad a half as I've ever seen him play. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and then some other times, you know, going out there and just really, really killing it. Uh, you've got him, you got Nick Needham, you know, he was struggling a little bit. He was struggling a little bit even before he got hurt. Uh, you got guys like Tater Coho and Keon Cross in play. You got Noah Igbenogany forced into action. Um, that's clearly been up and down. Uh, Justin Bethel just in off the street. I mean, it's, it's really bad back there. And now Brandon Jones is out. Um, not that he was particularly great in coverage anyway. Um, and so, so these guys needed to be, these guys needed to be protected. And so you've seen them step off the gas. And now this, this really is emblematic of that, you know, that, I, I guess that trend, you know, and, um, and I think that that's, that's what you're going to see more of is, is, you know, stepping off the gas a little bit, but this defense is always, I say gone, not, but not forgotten because this defense is always situational. Like mm-hmm. the, the identity of this defense is situational. Um, and, and that's what, that's what they're all about. And, and that's what, what they're trying to do is they're really trying to, um, to get the offense into uh, a, a situation in which they, the defense can, can know or feel comfortable that they know what's coming. Mm-hmm. And that's when they make a big play. They make a big play to get off the field. They make a big turnover. Um, something, something along those lines. I mean, we, we call it Ben, Ben don't break, but it's really just, it's really about situation hunting mm-hmm. because they're looking to corner you. They're looking to corner you into something that they've already identified on film that they know what's going to happen. And then they're going to call the right defense for it, or they're going to, they're going to show their because they know the tendency that the individual players are going to capitalize on it. That's what they're going for. And um, and so it's not going to be forgotten. This, this this the whole blitz approach, the zero looks. You know that's that's going to be in there. It's in. I think it's ingrained in their DNA. I just think that they're going to back off it a little bit. And uh, mm-hmm. and you're right. You know if you're if you're trying to beat the very best players and quarterbacks in the NFL, you're not going to do that. You're not going to do that with that approach. And I think they've known that. I think they've I think they've come to terms with that idea. Yeah. Uh, by the way, I heard a, a stat, and, I, and I'll I'll repeat it uh, after the break. But before we go to the break, one last thing: they made a trade for Jeff Wilson, and I think this is this 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 is a savvy trade. Okay, uh, you read the room. Christian McCaffrey's getting all the carries. Uh, Jeff Wilson was pretty active in the offense before Christian McCaffrey arrived last week. Christian McCaffrey had 18 carries. Jeff Wilson had four. Uh, that kind of tells you all you needed to know. Uh, they swap out Jay Sedmans. Uh, that's something we talked about on the last podcast. I thought, man, is it time to swap out Chase Edmonds? I guess they decided, yes, it is time to swap out Chase Edmonds. They save a little money right there. Uh, and they put in a guy who knows the system, who Mike McDaniel worked with. And mm-hmm. you can't get a better fit as the number two back behind Raheem Mostert. Uh, another great trade. I think it, this is very fine work by Chris Greer at the deadline. Very fine work. Uh, sort of a no-brainer, I think, once the Christian McCaffrey thing. Uh, you know, I know we were talking about, uh, like, for instance, Kareem Hunt, um, which I don't think – I think didn't happen. And I get the sense that the Browns knew that it wasn't going to happen because if you watch the way that Kareem Hunt was used in the game last night, mm-hmm. um, 
you know, that, that didn't look to me like a player that was about to be, uh, you know, that was about to be traded. I, I think they kind of knew, I think they would like to trade him, but you, you've alluded to it before. Yeah. Uh, his contract demands might be unrealistic, un, you know, super unrealistic. So, so we are looking at a, at a, a rental player. Um, and so I think that, uh, I think that that's probably, you know, yes, he would have been, he would have fit well. Um, he knows Tyree kill. Uh, there are, there are lots of things in favor of a Kareem hunt, but the, the no brainer with Jeff Wilson was because of the way that he knows the system. And what I trust about this move is the fact that Mike McDaniel and Chris Greer have been very discreet about which players they pull from the 49ers, you know, which players that, uh, that Mike McDaniel has experienced coaching. Right. Mm. Um, which players they pull from the 49ers in back in Mike McDaniel's history onto the, onto the Dolphins offense. Uh, if you think about it, usually when there's a new st- staff, there's, there's a fair bit of those players, right? There, you bring over lots of players that, um, that you're, you know, and are familiar with and stuff like that. Well, the Dolphins only brought in Trent Sherfield, River Craycraft and Raheem Mostert mm-hmm. basically. And, and, and so, and Raheem Mostert, you, you remember Raheem Mostert was sort of a, a an add-on acquisition. You know, it, it came very late in the, in the process, in the, in the signing process. Um, it was sort of an add-on, whereas Chase Edmonds was like the headliner, right? So, yeah. um, and, and, and then, and Trent Sherfield and River Craycraft were, I mean, for all, for all intents and purposes, us as fans were looking at that, like, ah, oh, they're probably not even going to make the roster. You know, mm. but look at what those guys have contributed. Sherfield, Sherfield looks like a, a dolphin lifer. <laughs> yeah, I mean. he is. He is. He looks like a legitimate number three wide receiver. Is what he looks like, especially yes. in the system. And uh, and and that was something you know. And River Craycraft made the team, and when he's played, you know, he's he's played well for us. He's contributed. You can see why he's there, right? Um, and and Raheem Mostert. He wasn't supposed to be RB one, but he is. He's not mm-hmm. only RB one, but he's like he's he's performing really well. And if he stays healthy, the Dolphins legitimate have a legitimate reason to believe that they might have one of the you know one of the better running backs in the NFL. Um, so they're they've shown they haven't just wholesale bought a bunch of guys that Mike McDaniel has has experience with. They haven't. They've shown discretion. And they picked out the guys that are worth it. And so when you see them pick out a Jeff Wilson, that's really encouraging because, you know, like I said, they're not, they're not just, you know, uh, he used to play for him. So yeah, let's go ahead and do it. You know, they're not doing. So I think that that's, um, that's one reason to be, uh, to be kind of high on Jeff Wilson. Um, But the other reason is, is for exactly the reason that Raheem Mostert ended up uh, rising to the top. Uh, over Chase Edmonds in the first place, which is that this system is difficult. It's difficult. It's difficult to get a beat under. Uh, I think I've heard I've heard uh, coaches say that it can take two years, mm-hmm. you know, to to really get it. Um, and you know, so it's it's not you. You can't just come in. I've I've flagged Chase Edmonds before the season even started uh, when I was talking about it on Twitter because I was like, you know, listen, um, 
this system is difficult, and Chase Edmonds coming from a complete other offense, a complete other pro offense, where he made his name, you know, doing different things, and now he's trying to do things, you know, completely different things here, and this might not go well. Um, you know, it seems like the only young players that uh, that people in the system or that coaches in the system seem to appreciate are at running back. They seem to like rookie running backs for some reason, but um, but yeah, that in terms of the veterans, like, you know, it's some veterans are going to get it. Some veterans are really not. And, um, and it, it started to look like Chase Edmonds was, was becoming one of those guys that's just not going to get it. And, uh, and so now they've gotten, they've gotten two players. They've got a nice one, two punch in, um, and Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson that have gotten, that have shown they've gotten in this system. And that's, that's just, that's a home run. That's a, I mean, I know it's a small move. I want to be humble about it. You know, listen, mm-hmm. we're not, you know, we didn't just get Adrian Peterson or something like that. You know, that's, but, but this is this is a, a move that, from a ration rationality standpoint, is a home run. Yeah, and, and just to put a bow on it, uh, Kareem Hunt would be here if he didn't have re- ridiculous contract demands. Uh, uh, I revealed this on OnlyFans. He wants something in the line of what Joe Mixon got a year ago, and I was thinking to myself. Oh, that's all? No, Joe Mixon doesn't make that much money. I looked up his contract. It's ridiculous. <laughs> well, I, you know, and the, the last the last thing I'll say about the trade, though, the, the trades of the day, is Mike Kosicki is still here, mm-hmm. right? Uh, Cedric Wilson is still here. Um, Cedric Wilson is also a guy that seems to not be getting it in this system, right? And uh, and Mike Kosicki is a guy that, um, you know, if he's not getting it in this system, I, I – I kind of have issue with just blanket saying that because he, he produces insert. We saw his, we see his value in games like the Detroit game, which we'll talk about, mm. you know, they have to open up. They have to go 11 personnel. They have to, uh, to get, you know, more wide receivers on the field. They have to pass the ball. Uh, suddenly this guy is valuable because he's taking up attention. He's keeping Tyree kill and Jalen Waddle able to get the ball the way that they do. And then he's contributing in the red zone. He's contributing in the end zone, the way that, the way that he does, uh, you see that value uh, in that situation. Well, they kept him, but that wasn't necessarily going to be the case because I was told, and this was, you know, frankly uh, about 40 minutes before the trade got announced. Um, I was told that the dolphins were frustrated because they did have, they did thought, think that they had a deal in place with the Denver Broncos um, that involved Bradley Chubb, uh, you know, Bradley Chubb and also, you know, trading Mike Gesicki to them for a day two pick plus Jerry Judy Mm -hmm. and Chase Edmonds. We would still be giving Chase Edmonds along with Mike Gesicki. So, um, so, you know, there was, there was kind of an an iffy thing there. They were, they were definitely hearing offers on Mike Gesicki, but they were very disciplined on, on their, the ask the asking price the, the Minnesota Vikings for example balked at it at, at the asking price from Mike Gesicki and they ended up trading I believe it was like a third round equivalent for TJ Hawkinson instead and and so I think that they had in mind that they were going to kind of kill two birds in one stone with uh getting Bradley Chubb um for you know a first round pick plus uh plus Chase Edmonds but then also you know, getting a day two pick or a second round pick for uh, for Mike Gesicki, um, or maybe that second round pick would have been a third round pick if they were able to pull Jerry Judy into it. Um, and then that they got frustrated. They thought they had that that they thought they were close to the finish line on that. And then um, and then it looked like it wasn't going to happen. So they just pivoted 
got rid of the whole Gasicki and Judy and, you know, um, day two pick aspect of it. And, um, and it was, I mean, this is, this is what I had been told, um, you know, about 30, 30, 40 minutes before it finally happened. And, uh, and this, the people that were telling me this were flagging me and saying, you know, Hey, Chase Edmonds is part of this. Um, and which he did end up being, uh, so the price ended up being right around where, where I was told, it's just that they, they dropped some aspects of it. Um, but Mike Kosicki is still here. So, you know, we talk about, uh, Mike McDaniel talks about being versatile and, and his post-game speech to the, in the locker room, he talks about how we win in multiple ways, right? Mm-hmm. That we can win in a defensive performance like we did against the Steelers. We can win in a shootout. Um, like we did with the Ravens and like we did with the Lions. Well, in those shootouts, you're going to be glad you had Mike Gesicki. Yeah. So, and you're also going to hopefully be glad that you had Bradley Chubb. But, um, but I think that that's that's interesting to me in itself because yeah, they could have monetized him. They could have monetized him and gotten a draft pick for it. But they're kind of saying, you know what? We got a five and zero quarterback who is like twelve and one in his last thirteen games. yes if not if not now when you know yeah and and that's what it is that's the bottom line if not now when we are all we are chips all in you know and that's uh that's what this signifies absolutely all right we're gonna go to break and when we come back we're gonna talk about that game on sunday which is we'll have plenty to talk about but before we do these words let me tell you about Liquid Death. Uh, you've seen those. There's those little tall boy cans, right? They, they look like beer cans. They have that really great logo that says Liquid Death. Well, it's it's not beer. It's not an alcoholic beverage. It's actually mountain spring water from the Alps. My favorite flavor is Bury It Alive. Okay? It's absolutely delicious. It's unlike some of those other waters you, you've tried out there, those flavored waters. They're not as good. They just really aren't. They don't, They just don't taste good. These are not only refreshing, but they're cold. And especially since it's in a can, you put it in a in a cooler with ice. Something I like to do is, uh, you know, I'll put one liquid death can for every six beers in the cooler, you know, just to break it up a little bit. So, yeah, liquid death. It kills your thirst and infinitely recyclable cans are environmentally friendly. Liquid death also donates 10% of the profits from every can sold to help kill plastic pollution. Go get liquid death at your local Publix the Fresh Market, or Whole Foods Market, or find a Liquid Death retailer near you with their store locator tool at liquiddeath.com slash three. That's T-H-R-E-E. That's our dedicated website, by the way. Follow Liquid Death on social media, on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, and Twitter. Use the hashtags, hashtag MurderYourThirst, and hashtag DeathToPlastic. Liquid Death. And we're back. And yeah, that was exciting stuff. Uh, exciting stuff at the trade deadline. But we're going to talk about this game on on Sunday. Uh, Chris, I was watching. What was the last time you watched? Pardon the the interruption. Which is ESPN's signature debate show. It's been going now for thirty years. Um, what was the last time you saw that? Those are like the deans of the media. In, can I? In this can country. I be honest? Can I be honest here? Oh Jesus! Don't tell me you've never seen the show or you didn't know it existed. You say it's been on for 30 years? <laughs> yes. I've probably, the probably the last time I watched it with any amount of interest whatsoever was 20 years ago. 
<laughs> I'm not. I'm not even kidding. Well, Tony Kornheiser and Mike Wilbon. Um, I think they're going to die on that job. By the way, one day we're just going to tune in, and, and there's not going to be anybody on the screen. And we're like, Wait, where are these guys? Oh, they died. Uh, that's you it. won't. You <laughs> won't notice. <laughs> You know, they say, oh, they died. Uh, we're going to have to put two new guys in here because they died right on the job. Uh, well, they had a segment yesterday, okay? Would you be surprised they had a segment talking about who is the NFL MVP right now? Who are your NFL MVP candidates, okay? Mm-hmm. And they both agreed on this, by the way. Uh, they had the number one candidate, Patrick Mahomes. That's understandable. Okay. Yeah. No- number two candidate, Josh Allen. Extremely mm-hmm. understandable. In fact, in fact, in my opinion, he's probably the favorite right now. Uh, best player on the best team. Usually, that's how it works, right? And number three, Tua Tungvalu. Really? Yes. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. When I heard that, uh, first of all, I, I thought I had a stroke. I was like, you know, I heard. Yeah, I would, I would you too. Know, you know, they said, you know, they said Jalen Hurts or something like that, and I heard two us, which means I got to go see a neurologist because now I'm hearing like different words through my ears, right? You know, <laughs> you know? but no, uh, yes, that's exactly what they said, and they said, well, you know, if if he overtakes Buffalo, I could see giving him the MVP, and I'm thinking to myself, holy shit. <laughs> we've done all of it. We've we've come a long way in two months. We've come a very long way. <laughs> okay, what a game on 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 Sunday. First of all, I'll say how I experience it because usually that's that's how we start these things off. I experienced that game sitting there thinking to myself, "Oh, great! Uh, the Detroit Lions get healthy, and the Detroit Lions revert to the number one offense in the NFL, which they were when they were healthy. They got them on." Saint, it's it's Amon Ross Saint Brown, right? That's right. That's right. Who's, who's a star, by the way? They get T.J. Hawkinson back, and they get DeAndre Swift back. They get Penny Sewell back, and uh, they're high powered because they scored on every single drive in the first half. We couldn't get off the field. I'm watching that, and I'm like, you know what? But our offense is so good. We're gonna keep pace. We're gonna need a turnover here. Well, it turns out we didn't even need a turnover because we didn't get a turnover. It was just our offense was unstoppable. And and, and, and we got a few stops. <laughs> a few stops on defense. Yeah, just enough. Just enough. <laughs> you know, mostly due to stupid penalties. But you know, one in six, you know, one well at the time it was one in five, but one in five is gonna one in five. You know what I mean? One in mm-hmm. five is gonna do is gonna make a stupid you know, there's gonna make, they're gonna make a stupid mistake that's gonna you know crack the door open for you a little bit. The mark of a good team is that when a bad team cracks the door open a little bit, you come barging in. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Right. And that's exactly what Miami did. I thought to uh, this was his finest game. I understand he threw for a billion yards against against Baltimore, but yeah. this this was surgical. Uh, this was perfect. And not only was it perfect, it was actually perfect in as as in stats. It was perfect. He had a perfect passer rating. The man is perfect against man coverage this season. The only quarterback that is perfect in passer rating against man coverage this season. I don't think he could play any better because no quarterback can play any better. This was as good as you can play as a quarterback. Your thoughts? That's a tough one because, you know, the, the Baltimore game was just so ridiculous uh, in, in terms of 
the the comeback in that fourth quarter of that game, the amount, just the onslaught that happened. Yeah, but the two um, YOLO, the two YOLO picks, those are. I know, huge. I know, the, I, the I realize that we're not talking about. This is probably the game that you would say he, um, he played, you know, pretty much all four quarters, uh, and and it was, you know, you give that up, but just the overall impact of the quality, the quality opponent that that was, and the situation that that was, that was. To me, that's still that's still his best. That's still his best is the Baltimore. Now he played all four quarters this game, and uh, and he did he did really well. I mean that's understating it. Um, but you know I think I think the Baltimore game was still was still better for me because it was you know the Baltimore game the Baltimore game will make you live in legend. Mm-hmm. This game is is just you got to you got to win against a one and five team. Yeah. You know, like, like this win, the great quarterbacks have, you know, a hundred of these, <laughs> you know, like, the, yeah. the, the, well, not maybe not a hundred. I, I don't know, but like a couple you know, dozen. You know I mean? no. They got dozens of these. About right? a dozen. I looked it up. I looked yeah. it up and uh, Aaron Rodgers has done this, I believe nine times in his career. So yeah, yeah. you know, roughly a dozen. Yeah, I mean, so so, I, I, and against a against a, a porous defense who fired the defensive backs coach the very next day, and you know, the, like great great quarterbacks have these games against this this quality of an of an opponent, and um, and they they have them with a fair like, it's not it's not totally unheard of at all. They have them a lot. Um, the Baltimore game, the situation and circumstances in that game, I don't, I don't remember that ever happening. <laughs> you know, and, yeah. and and you know, because I didn't, I didn't necessarily live through Dan Marino's heyday um, in the early '80s, but um, you know, I, I'm just saying, like that, that to me, that's a legendary, that's a legendary uh, performance. Whereas this is, you know, hey, the 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 really good quarterbacks have days like this. You know, and um, and I think that he had a day like this, and that's great. Um, so, it, but it was it was it was really uh, interesting, also from the standpoint of Mike McDaniel's as a play caller too. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I should say Mike McDaniel, you know, without the S. Um, but his him as a play caller, I think I think it's interesting because you know he's he got on one, he was on one at the end of that Baltimore game. He could do mm-hmm. no wrong as a play caller, right? <laughs> um well they, they even called the play called fuck it <laughs> yeah and exactly and um and 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 we hadn't really necessarily seen that again in the other games um you know we saw generally a good a well-structured offense fairly well called during the game um but he got on one again against the lions and so this is this is important both from Tua's standpoint, but also from Mike McDaniel, um, his standpoint as a play caller and head coach, and uh, and so it was it was very encouraging. Um, I think that this was it was a very entertaining game to watch. Um, you, you watch Tua execute in this game, and you, you you take a step back and you realize you know you have to you have to check yourself because you're like you know quarterbacks miss right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean they do. They do miss, right? We, but you wouldn't know it. 
<laughs> you wouldn't know it because we expect him to hit every single pass because he yeah. can. Yeah, no, you know, you know what's getting uh what's really spoiling us, and I keep telling people, pay attention, okay, and enjoy this because this is not normal. His third no, down numbers, not. his third down numbers are that's not football, okay? No, <laughs> that's Madden on easy, okay? Yeah, it's it's his third down numbers are ridiculous. I'm not gonna repeat them here because I want everybody to go look them up. Let's just say that. <laughs> If I repeated them on here, you would say that I'm that I'm spreading misinformation on this podcast. Okay? Well, I'll say I'll say I'll say one of the numbers, which is that he has 143 passer rating on third down right now. <laughs> and and if you think that's ridiculous, then the fact that his fourth down passer rating is a perfect 158.3 <laughs> is well, although to be to be fair, that's two passes. Yeah, but and, um, yeah, and and I'll yeah. say this, and I'll say this, because uh, somebody, uh, uh, Big O, when he did his post game, he was like, "This reminded me of Marino, you know, the defense shit yeah. in the bed, and then the quarterback not giving a crap and winning anyway." <laughs> yep, <laughs> you know yep, I mean? exactly. And <laughs> and I think that the third down, it's interesting because I was just talking with somebody earlier about um about this on third down, um, and I won't, I, I'm not allowed to say who, um, but I, I was just talking to somebody earlier about this, and it. That is that is one area of significant improvement for him in the uh, in, on on the field uh, statistically and, and just even film wise. He was not this. He was not this on third down in twenty twenty one. Nor was he this on third down in twenty twenty. You know his rookie year. He was not even close. Really, um, he was actually very average on third down in those years. And if I had to pick out some some areas where he need because. I've been talking about this fourth quarter thing with him forever, right? That's because he's always been this. He's always been this in the fourth quarter. He's always been a high performer in the fourth quarter. Um, I've been talking about his red zone prowess forever because he's always been this in the red zone, you know, even, even right straight back to his rookie year. Um, you know, he's always been a high performer in the red zone, always been a high performer in the fourth quarter. He has not been a high performer on the third down and late downs or an obvious passing situations and such that's that is a this year phenomenon that that happened this year and uh and actually you know because we, we we talk all the time and it's really become such a hot controversy comparing him with guys like joe burrow and and, and especially justin herbert because it mm-hmm. seems like such a sore spot um you know to to give justin herbert some credit he, he is good on third down and has been, you know, rookie year, second year, 2020 and 21. He's been good on, he's not as, he's not, he's kind of ho-hum this year on third, fourth down this year, Justin Herbert is, but you know, he does have a history of, of being really, really good on third, fourth down. This is, this is kind of a new thing for Tua and it's really encouraging because, you know, you want him to, you want, you want him to, this is the controversy, right? This is, yeah. The oh, did, did, we, did we just get Tyreek Hill and 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 Jalen Waddle and and Mike McDaniel and that's really what's changed? Tua hasn't changed, mm. you know. No, you want to know that Tua has changed too, yes. you know. And and because because it has to be both of those things. It has to be, you know, one. Yes, he was always a good player. Maybe people didn't always recognize it, but two. Yes, he is ascending. He's still getting better. You know, because he, he's still got some ways to go before he's, you know, in that category with the Drew Brees and such. Um, so I think that uh, I think that's a that's a discrete area you'd look at and say he is he is different this year 
on those downs. And he is. He is. Yeah. He's legitimately different on third down and fourth down. Yeah, the problem with, with Justin Herbert, and, and that's what, you know, and I keep saying this, I think the debate is still open. It'll be open for years, okay? Because uh, he's really, really good. And I think the debate could still be open with, with Joe Burrow. He hasn't played well. And now that he doesn't have, uh, you know, Jamar Chase. By the way, did you know that they've only played 20 snaps without each other since last year? Really? Yes. Well, I mean, how many, even how many going back to LSU? <laughs> yeah, which means that, yeah, Zach Taylor, yeah, he keeps those guys, that, that guy on the field because yeah. for only missing 20 snaps, because they were saying, because Joe Burrow was having a pretty bad game yesterday. Mm-hmm. And they were saying, you know, maybe this this is getting to him because he's only played 20 snaps without Jamar Chase on the field since last mm-hmm. year. So, yeah, you know, uh, Justin Herbert is that, that house guest that brings you in a, a really expensive bottle of whiskey. <laughs> a couple of really good cigars, sits down, have, has a great conversation with you, breaks out a guitar, plays a couple of tunes, but at the end of the night, he hits on your wife. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? And you're like, you know what? Get the hell out of here. <laughs> All right. You know, uh, Justin Herbert just has very public and very, you know, loud, um, bad moments, let's just say. Okay. Yeah. Think about it. He was dueling with Patrick Mahomes. He wasn't playing all that great. But he was dueling, and he was driving them down for the game winner. Pick six, 88 yards. That's yep. a thud. <laughs> you know what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah. You know, and it think- does it does happen. And he, he he's not been nearly he's not ne- had nearly the same prowess, obviously, in late game situations, in fourth quarter situations, as uh, as Tua has, even as you know, going back to Tua as a rookie, as a, a sophomore, um, so on. Uh, you know, but you do have to give credit for him. He's been excellent on X, and I say excellent. I'm not. I'm not gonna. You know, I'm not gonna downplay. He's he had been in his career excellent on third, fourth down. Uh, Justin Herbert had. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's great to see. It's great to see the improvement, though. You know, mm-hmm. from from Tua, and and that's what you do want to see. You do want to. You don't want to be afraid of the idea that he's actually, you know, performed better because I think you know some people. And we look at it, you know, the, the people that just crushed him incessantly, right, to it, and and did so unfairly um, in a lot of ways. You know, those people are because of the whole cognitive dissonance thing. They're they're saying, well, you know, no, we weren't wrong. Tua was that bad. He's just totally different this year. You know, he's just he's just he's just totally totally new player. Yeah, well, right now on is, ESPN, right now on ESPN Live, Dan Orlovsky and Ryan Clark are going over what they call Tua Tungavaloa's obnoxious Detroit tape. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, but but yeah, there's there's people that are going to want to say, well, we weren't wrong. He was just that bad, and now he's just a completely different player. Well, I mean, he is and he isn't. You, you want it to be both. You want it to be that he, no, you were wrong. He was never that bad. He was always good, pretty good. Um, but also... He is an ascending player, getting better every single year, and and this is here's here's what we can point to and say this is this is one area where he he literally just just got better, yeah. um, and and so but you want that you don't want to run from that, um, so I think that uh, yeah it's, it's 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 encouraging I think this is this game was very emblematic of uh, of of what we were all hoped for with Tuatunga Valoa this year. Um, but at the same time, you know, what's that defense going to be going forward? Because mm-hmm. 
you know, even though they quote unquote shut out the Lions in the second half, was, we're talking about three drives. You yeah, know? it was just uh, yeah. That, that's not that. Yeah, that's not that's not a real sample size. Like I was thinking, yeah. man. Look, and I've dug into it a little bit. I promised some people on 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 Twitter I was going to dig into it, and I have. Uh, you know, just you know, cursory because you know I was very busy today. They didn't do many things differently. Okay. Yeah, and and it was it was three drives, and one of those drives did go a distance, and it ended on downs because of the court, the scoreboard pressure. You know, mm-hmm. the scoreboard situational pressure dictated that they were going to have to go for it on fourth down, um, and you know, in a in an unlikely situation, and and they um, they came up short on that. So so I mean, that's you know three drives and one of them one of them actually they they got rolling but they the drive ended because of scoreboard pressure that doesn't tell me that they got a handle on this Mm. that doesn't tell me that you know so so well and hence and hence what happened today by the way by the way uh, andy slater uh, you guys know him on on twitter he uh he has uh breaking news uh there's updated um well, the, you know, the odds are actually pulled from everywhere, but there's updated uh, airfare rates from American, Spirit, and Frontier from South Florida to Phoenix for Super Bowl weekend. <laughs> and they are now <laughs> double, okay? Really? So, yeah, so do, do they – American is $968 for coach, <laughs> okay? Up from 412 Actually, it's more than double, okay? That's well. – that's 130%. So, yeah. So, the airlines saw, man. So, the airlines watch ESPN Live. They watch NFL Network. And they they, they have Twitter accounts, right? And they're like, all right, let's rob all these people. Yeah. <laughs> immediate immediate reaction. Yeah. But, yeah. I mean, but but that's that's what happened today, though, isn't it? Like, yes. the, you know, the, you, have to, you have to assume that the Dolphins looked at that Detroit Lions tape, too. And they're not necessarily sitting there saying, well, we shut them out in the second half. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not uh, enough. That's not enough. Yeah. I take solace in one thing: that Detroit offense, when healthy, when it hasn't been healthy, it's been absolute garbage. At, because the last two weeks, they were. It was basically la- the last two weeks were just uh, Jared Goff and a bunch of Jags and and uh, Williams. That was it. Uh, that was the yeah. entire offense. They got healthy for us, and they turned into the team that they were the first four weeks, where they were yeah. averaging thirty-three points a game and four hundred and sixty-five yards. Yeah. Okay, they were they were a powerful offense before, and um, and yeah, they they look. So like I'll take solace in that, right? Like, hopefully, yeah. I'm not fooling myself, right? Hopefully, we played a high-powered offense and held them to twenty-seven points, which is okay, you know. At home, they were in they were in their own stadium, yeah, um, on know? their own turf, you know. That's. That counts for something. Yeah, and at um, one and, at one and six, you know, season's over. But at two and five, you can see the glimmer. We're like, you know what? A little mm-hmm. win streak, and we're at five hundred, and we're back in this thing. Especially in the NFC, which, God, that 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 that, that conference is bad. You know, mm-hmm. uh, well, the Packers are three and five. Like sure, like 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 really like you know. Hey, but we play them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which is yeah. Well, it's unfortunate. By the way, uh, you know, not to. Do Packer talk? Uh, their GM is incompetent. You can't have Aaron Rodgers and then just give him that that poo poo platter of wide receivers that he had out there against the Buffalo Bills, and he's still willing them. Well, they, they have a sledgehammer they didn't, they didn't running get any game. help for him today either, did they? No, they have a sledgehammer running game, a really good offensive line. Zach Tom played left guard, by the way. 
Um, and it looks like he might settle there at left guard. Uh, he got overpowered by uh, Jordan Phillips and Ed Oliver a couple of times, but Zach Thomas kind of light. I, I had no idea he was only 290 pounds. Oh, yeah, he's light. He's, yeah, he's definitely, he's, he's got a light seat. Yeah, but he's fine. Like he's like you can see going forward, he's going to be a, a good player. They have a really good offensive line, an all-time quarterback, a great running game, and man, that defense is for real. That secondary, not only were they number one against the pass, but they proved it. They shut down Josh Allen for the most part. Picked him off twice. He also had three near uh, almost interceptions, by the way, for for those who tracked that. Uh, oh, okay. But so that Packer team is like, yeah, go win a Super Bowl. But, you know, you can't win a Super Bowl when you, there's guys running around out there that I have no idea who the hell they were as wide receivers. And now they lost another one in Christian Watson, who's who's going to be injured for the foreseeable future. He took a pretty bad concussion, you know, but what are you going to do? You know, that, mm-hmm. that's just that's just bad work. RGM did not do bad work. RGM is giving every possible weapon you can give to Tua Baloa to see him succeed. And it's working. All right, let's move on to some players in this game because there's just so much we could talk about, you know, uh, this snap and that snap and this drive mm-hmm. and that drive. Brandon Shell's the, the right tackle going forward, right? I, you know, I, I'm going to caution against that. I'm going to mm-hmm. caution against that because um, I think that they, I, I appreciate what he g- gave in this game. I think this is probably his best game uh, that he's played for us. Uh, I think that, you know, prior to this game, you would describe his play as surprisingly okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I would not have said good uh, by any means. They, in- they invested a lot of time and a lot of, um, you know, and a lot in Austin Jackson playing that right tackle position all through camp. There was a reason they did it. Um, they were patient while he, you know, went through his lumps learning the new position. Uh, he got better and better every single week. I, I can't believe I'm saying this because I am king among the Austin Jackson haters. Um, but, but you know, they, they, they did put a lot into it. And, and honestly, I'm going to be honest, that, that first game that he played before he got hurt, um, that was the best I've seen him. You know, that was the best I've seen him play. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, I think that um, I would caution against the idea. He's not going to play this week. He's he's back on the roster, on the active roster, but yeah. he's not going to play this week. Um, but that's a signal that season. he's, you know, that Austin Jackson is, his return is imminent. Uh, you know. Yeah, but but let the season play out because, you know what? Hey, Brandon Shell had a good game this week. What's he going to do next week? Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's – that's the kind of the question oh, we had the really Greg to ask. Yeah, we had the Greg Little experience. Greg Little was as good, you know. Forget about Turin Armstead because Turin Armstead is just, you know, he's yeah, he's, he's ridiculous. A, he was, he was a, you know, he's a ridiculous player. By the well, way, Connor, 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 Connor Williams is getting there too. Um, <laughs> yeah, Connor Williams is headed to the Pro Bowl as well. He's really, really good as a center. That was a good move. Who would have thunk it? These guys knew what the hell they were doing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, who would have thunk it? Yeah, but look, keep Teron Armstead off of this this conversation. Greg Little might have had the best game by a Dolphin tackle this year against the Ravens in week two, and they were throwing the kitchen sink at him. So yeah. what happened then, with Greg and Little? And then what happened? And then exactly. What happened? He took an injury, and it was a slow fade until an absolute disaster game against the Jets, and even worse game the following week. 
against the, the Vikings. So, yeah, Greg Little, not for long. He's best at his role, which is break glass in case of emergency for one game at left tackle or right tackle, and that's it. But he's always getting hurt, and he doesn't play particularly well when he does. And and I think that that's that's the thing. So you know, Brandon Shell, it's gonna it's gonna be the same thing to watch for. You never know. He's gonna he's gonna take some minor little nick, and then he's gonna get blown up several times in a game, and you're gonna be like, Jesus Christ, I can't I can't wait till we get Austin Jackson back. You know, and I can't believe we actually said said that either. <laughs> yeah. um, so I, I you know I think that. I, I would caution I would caution against this idea. Oh, you know, it, it's set and forget now. You know, we got Brandon Shell. Um, yeah. You know, there's a reason he was available as late as he was. So um, but I do think he's making a case for it. I think that um, every week is another opportunity for him to uh, to seal that. But uh, but I think that when Austin right now, I'd say when Austin Jackson gets healthy, they're going to toss him back in for a little, you know, just to see they have to see. You know, they have to see. And a lot of people are saying, you know, well, let's move to left guard because Liam Eikenberg just went down hurt. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't think they're going to do that. I think they keep it a little bit more simple with the offensive line now. I don't think they're just going to move guys all over the place um, the way that they used to and, uh, and and do a disservice to the player. Uh, he's been focusing on right tackle this entire time. Suddenly he's going to play left guard again. Um, meanwhile, the guy that has been focusing on left guard and right guard uh, is Robert Jones is being the swing, you know, sort of the swing guard backup. And he got in there and he played and he played all right in the, the end of the game. Um, so I think that, you know, that's that's the plan going forward at left guard is probably Robert Jones. And then somebody's going to have to, just like, you know, Brandon Shell's at right tackle, somebody's going to have to play their way out of that probably, um, you know, just by being unacceptable. Um, but you know, I think that uh, I think that that's probably the plan for the time being is Robert Hunt at left guard, uh, and then I think you know I think they're going to mix in some Austin Jackson and see, and they have to see, they have to find out. You know, they put a lot of investment into it. Brandon Shell is here for one year. Austin Jackson could be here for more. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that uh, I think that the, we're going to find out. It's a long season, um, and then you know, we'll see. Hopefully, I mean, but either way, the guy that I'm hoping. You know, you just hope that Teron Armstead stays healthy because mm. he makes such a difference. So uh, he, makes, uh, he, ma- he makes a massive difference. Aiden yeah. Hutchinson is a stud. Uh, mm-hmm. I was I wasn't a big fan. Uh, I was like, ah, you know, because I like to compare them to each other. You know, all the big pass rushing prospects that have come out. Uh, the one I liked the best was Nick Bosa. Uh, you know, he, he's an absolute monster. Uh, yeah. His brother Joey Bosa is fine too, but you know, kind of expensive for a guy that always runs out of the game with a hamstring injury every once in a while. Mm. Uh, but, you know, and Miles Garrett is a guy that I looked at and I say, okay, yeah, he's good, but is he going to be all that great? Well, he's he's ridiculous. <laughs> okay. But Nick Bosa is the one that I really liked. Out of all of them, Aiden Hutchinson, I thought, okay, you know, he's – I could see why he's a high draft pick, but I, I just don't think he's going to be, you know, one of these all-world guys. He's kind of an all-world guy. Teron Armstead had him in his pocket. Put him in a nice little box with a bow on it, and then you know kicked it down the stairs. <laughs> yeah, I, I I actually liked Aiden Hutchinson a lot. So okay. um, uh, you know, as what, good like if you had to rank all these guys, rank all those guys, um, not in the class of Miles Garrett and and not not as players because Miles Garrett and Nick Bosa, you know, they're defensive player of the year candidates. I'm talking about as prospects, not mm-hmm. in their class or in their class as prospects. 
Aiden Hutchinson was absolutely in their class. Really? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. That's to me, to my eyes. Mm-hmm. Right. So, yeah, I think that, um, I think that he was in their class. I think it wasn't impressive. I think it was impressive. You know, this is a reason why Brandon Shell had an impressive game too, mm-hmm. is because, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't just Teron Armstead against him. Um, against Aiden Hutchinson. In this yeah, we game. talked about it in our preview. We talked about it in our preview that uh, I looked at the at Detroit, you know, defensive tape, which is, wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, which is odd. Look, uh, if you look at the, the Lions play on defense, look, I like Alex Anzalone. Uh, I think he's a good player. That Malcolm Rodriguez kid, like, first of all, he had a monster game against the Dolphins. I don't know if you saw yeah, him. He, 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 he had a sack. Yeah. Uh, he forced a fumble on the hit, I believe. And, yep, he had, he and, he, and he had like a pile of, a pile of tackles. Uh, Alex Anzalone, him, Aiden Hutchinson, they have a couple of nice players. Jeff Okuda is not hopeless. Okay, he's just he's just not as advertised. You know, he was advertised as one of the best cornerback prospects coming out in in ages, and he he's just not that. But he's a good NFL cornerback. Uh, what they have on the other side is absolutely atrocious. Yeah. But but watching them on film, they like to rush Aiden Hutchinson as a right defensive end consistently over and over and over again. And I, I told Simon, look, if they do that against the Dolphins, they're wasting him because he's not he's not going to have any hope against Teron Armstead. Yeah, they shouldn't. They shouldn't. I think yeah. you're right. And um, and you're right. that they, they, they did it. You know, he was on that side. He was on that side, I think, 25 times um, on Teron Armstead's side. And, um, you know, he should have been – he should have probably just been exclusively – uh, over over Brandon Shell and been trying him all game long, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I mean it's, it's but still uh, impressive impressive for uh, for Shell, you know, because um, what are we talking about? We're talking about something like uh, thirty three snaps or something like that that he was on the left side, mm-hmm. um, or he was on that you know uh, Brandon Shell side. So that's still that's still an impressive uh, impressive day that he had. So um, you know we'll see, we'll see going forward. Yeah, and the Dolphins got the the Lions to fire their defensive backs coach, which is I always found that to be absolutely. <laughs> I always like you know I always like that I always like that and, and you know it seems like we've had some past teams that were good at doing that 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 were good at getting getting the other team to bench players or fire coaches and yeah. stuff like that. we've I've, I've definitely seen that happen in the past and it's good to get back to that it's good to get back to that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I completely agree. Uh, I absolutely lo- love stuff like that. Um, uh, one last thing. Uh, let's talk about Braylon Sanders a little bit because, you know, I guess Eric is coming. We're not going to see him all year. So I ended up being right. <laughs> I was wrong for, for preseason, but I was absolutely right in camp. <laughs> okay. Because <laughs> if you remember, I said, I said, this is going to be a redshirt year. We will not see him play a single snap in the regular season. Well, mm-hmm. I, I, I think I think I'm going to be right. Okay. You you might you might weirdly be right about you know even though he was a stud in the preseason, but yeah. um but they just you know hey they're they're not fucking around with the with these young kids and teaching them, yeah. which is you know encouraging. You know, yeah, and you, and let me have, tell you, you're gonna let have me to tell get you, it. And we could close with this, and I I love to hear your opinion on it. I loved absolutely loved what Mike McDaniel said after the game about what happened to Braylon Sanders. Uh, of course, he caught an RPO slant, tried to make a move, got hit, fumbled. Uh, the fumble, you know, ended up leading to to points as the, the Lions drove the length of the field for a touchdown. 
And he was asked, uh, what do you tell a player like that? And Mike McDaniel said, sometimes the best thing to say to a player is nothing. Yeah. And it's the truth. And he said, look, and, and I, I really do believe in this, okay? You can either go over there and just scream at his face and make him really feel shitty, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Or you could just, you know, you understand he's not trying to fumble. You know what I mean? He's not betting on the Lions, okay? No, you're right. You're right. Like, he's trying to make that play. He's trying to run over a safety and score a touchdown there if possible. Like, like in, in his dream of dreams, okay, when he went to bed Saturday night, he was thinking, you know what, I'm going to catch that mm-hmm. RPO. Because I'm pretty sure that he had a package. Uh, Braylon yeah. Sanders knew what routes he was possibly running and he probably thought okay if if i'm on the left side of the formation and this is an rpo two two might come to me so he's thinking about this you know you know he feels bad already you know so so you're gonna go over there and make sure he feels a little worse well you you know when you you know when you actually do go and say something is you you say something when um when a guy lines up offsides. Yeah, usually what you like, say, what you say is, bro, fucking fix this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. When a guy lines up offsides, like time after snap after snap after snap, or multiple guys do, that's when you go up and say something. You don't go and say something in Braylon Sanders' situation. Um, and, you know, Mel, one of those one of those culprits, by the way, was Melvin Ingram, who may have effectively just been replaced by Bradley Chubb. So, um, you know, that's, that's something, uh, but also, you know, I mean, you so Braylon Sanders, yeah, he messed up on his very first catch of his first NFL game, you know, and, and so that's hopefully just going to be a story that he gets to tell someday that doesn't matter because he has a good career and all that, but yeah, you don't, you don't go and say anything. I'll, I'll, I'll close with this though. Did you know this? This is, this is, um, this is something that's, uh, that's happening right now. Did you know that Brandon Jones's brother-in-law hmm. is Bradley Chubb? <laughs> you kidding? I'm not kidding. <laughs> Bradley Chubb is the brother of Brandon Jones's wife. That's that's. Uh, wow. Yeah. That's that's not on Twitter. That's Bobby. I don't know how to pronounce his last name. I always thought it was Bobby's house, but it's, it's Bobby Shoes. I don't know. But um, he says that he's uh, and I, and I saw actually I saw earlier like immediately Brandon Jones had a Twitter reaction to this trade. Yeah, <laughs> he's like, wow, you know, let's <laughs> let's go let's go get this. But um, By the way, I yeah. love the I love the 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 Tyreek Hill Twitter reaction. I also love that Ty- Tyreek Hill spends his entire off day play gaming. <laughs> Yeah, I know. On Twitch. Well, he's got he's got a rest, man. I'll I'll tell you, watching him go weekend, he is just. I mean, I don't want to get into it too too heavily, but he is he is a different kind of good. I mean, like you know, I know that they talk about like he and Jalen Waddle. I think uh, James Lofton during the game said something like he like he said something cute like Tyreek Hill and uh, Jalen Waddle are one A and one A. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and and I'm like, oh, that's cute and all that, but you know. To me, Jalen Waddle is like Odell Beckham good, and yeah. and right now, right now, I don't know if it'll come back down to earth, you know, whatever. But for these eight games, Tyreek Hill has been Randy Moss, Calvin Johnson good. Yes. Like that's that's the level he's been at. Now I don't know if he's going to continue that for you know forever or whatever, but um, but he is he is that level, and uh, it's just it's it's incredible to watch it. Um, yeah. 
and hopefully and and so so go go play fucking video games during your off days please please <laughs> don't do anything don't get up off the chair like just bubble wrap yourself i don't even do whatever you gotta do um to you know just, <laughs> just stay healthy that's all yeah. i keep thinking yeah I, I, stay I go, healthy i go back to that that tweet that i put out in in the off season uh, in march when they acquired tyreek hill i put up the stats that mark duper and mark clayton had in 1984 and then in the bottom, I said, uh, Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill have work to do. Well, uh, uh, they had 26 touchdowns between them and 2,600 yards between them. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Clayton had 1,300 and Duper had 1,300 as well. Both of them, you know, 1,300 and changed both of them. Tyreek Hill is on pace for 2,000 yards. Jalen Waddle is on pace for 1,600 yards. Yep. All right. We'll close right there. The next time we talk to you, We'll talk bears, dolphins. By the way, maybe the weather's not going to be all that great. 60 degrees, but maybe rain? Hmm. Interesting. Narratives. Remember mm-hmm. those. All right. We'll talk to you on Thursday. Thanks for listening to Three Yards Per Caddy. You can subscribe via iTunes, on Podbean, or your usual podcast provider. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.